Chapter Fourteen of France and England in North America, Part Three. La Salle, Discovery of the Great West. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio. InterfaceAudio.com. La Salle, Discovery of the Great West by francis parkman jr chapter fourteen sixteen eighty hardihood of la salle the winter journey the deserted town starved rock lake michigan the wilderness war parties la salle's men give out ill tidings mutiny chastisement of the mutineers la salle well knew what was before him and nothing but necessity spurred him to this desperate journey he says that he could trust nobody else to go in his stead and that unless the articles lost in the griffin were replaced without delay the expedition would be retarded a full year and he and his associates consumed by its expenses therefore he writes to one of them though the thaws of approaching spring greatly increased the difficulty of the way interrupted as it was everywhere by marshes and rivers to say nothing of the length of the journey which is about five hundred leagues in a direct line and the danger of meeting indians of four or five different nations through whose country we were to pass as well as an iroquois army which we knew was coming that way though we must suffer all the time from hunger sleep on the open ground and often without food watch by night and march by day loaded with baggage such as blanket clothing kettle hatchet gun powder lead and skins to make moccasins sometimes pushing through the thickets sometimes climbing rocks covered with ice and snow sometimes wading whole days through marshes where the water was waist-deep or even more at a season when the snow was not entirely melted though i knew all this it did not prevent me from resolving to go on foot to fort frontenac to learn for myself what had become of my vessel and bring back the things we needed the winter had been a severe one and when an hour after leaving the fort he and his companions reached the still water of peoria lake they found it sheeted with ice from shore to shore they carried their canoes up the bank made two rude sledges placed the light vessels upon them, and dragged them to the upper end of the lake, where they encamped. In the morning they found the river still covered with ice, too weak to bear them, and too strong to permit them to break away for the canoes. They spent the whole day in carrying them through the woods, toiling knee-deep in saturated snow. Rain fell in floods, and they took shelter at night in a deserted Indian hut. In the morning, the 3rd of March, they dragged their canoes half a league further, then launched them, and, breaking the ice with clubs and hatchets, forced their way slowly up the stream. Again their progress was barred, and again they took to the woods, toiling onward till a tempest of moist, half-liquid snow forced them to bivouac for the night. A sharp frost followed, and in the morning the white waste around them was glazed with a dazzling crust. Now for the first time they could use their snowshoes, bending to their work dragging their canoes which glided smoothly over the polished surface they journeyed on hour after hour and league after league 
till they reached at length the great town of the illinois still void of its inhabitants it was a desolate and lonely scene the river gliding dark and cold between its banks of rushes the empty lodges covered with crusted snow the vast white meadows the distant cliffs bearded with shining icicles and the hills wrapped in forests which glittered from afar with the icy incrustations that cased each frozen twig yet there was life in the savage landscape the men saw buffalo wading in the snow and they killed one of them more than this they discovered the tracks of moccasins they cut rushes by the edge of the river piled them on the bank and set them on fire that the smoke might attract the eyes of savages roaming near on the following day while the hunters were smoking the meat of the buffalo la salle went out to reconnoitre and presently met three indians one of whom proved to be chassagoic the principal chief of the illinois la salle brought them to his bivouac feasted them gave them a red blanket a kettle and some knives and hatchets made friends with them promised to restrain the iroquois from attacking them told them that he was on his way to the settlements to bring arms and ammunition to defend them against their enemies and as the result of these advances gained from the chief a promise that he would send provisions to taunty's party at fort crevasseur after several days spent in the deserted town la salle prepared to resume his journey before his departure his attention was attracted to the remarkable cliff of yellow sandstone now called starved rock a mile or more above the village a natural fortress which a score of resolute white men might make good against a host of savages and he soon afterwards sent taunty an order to examine it and make it his stronghold in case of need on the fifteenth day the party set out again carried their canoes along the bank of the river as far as the rapids above ottawa then launched them and pushed their way upward battling with the floating ice which loosened by a warm rain drove down the swollen current in sheets on the eighteenth day they reached a point some miles below the site of joliet and here found the river once more completely closed despairing of further progress by water they hid their canoes on an island and struck across the country for lake michigan it was the worst of all seasons for such a journey the nights were cold but the sun was warm at noon and the half-thawed prairie was one vast tract of mud water and discolored half-liquid snow on the twenty-second they crossed marshes and inundated meadows wading to the knee till at noon they were stopped by a river perhaps the calumet they made a raft of hardwood timber for there was no other and shoved themselves across on the next day they could see lake michigan dimly glimmering beyond the waste of woods and after crossing three swollen streams they reached it at evening on the twenty fourth they followed its shore till at nightfall they arrived at the fort which they had built in the autumn at the mouth of the st joseph here la salle found chapelle and leblanc the two men whom he had sent from hence to michilimackinac in search of the griffin they reported that they had made the circuit of the lake and had neither seen her nor heard tidings of her assured of her fate he ordered them to rejoin taunty at fort crevasseur while he pushed onward with his party through the unknown wild of southern michigan the rain says la salle which lasted all day and the raft we were obliged to make to cross the river stopped us till noon of the twenty fifth 
and we continued our march through the woods which was so interlaced with thorns and brambles that in two days and a half our clothes were all torn and our faces so covered with blood that we hardly knew each other on the twenty eighth we found the woods more open and began to fare better meeting a good deal of game which after this rarely failed us so that we no longer carried provisions with us but made a meal of roast meat wherever we happened to kill a deer bear or turkey these are the choicest feasts on a journey like this and till now we had generally gone without them so that we had often walked all day without breakfast the indians do not hunt in this region which is debatable ground between five or six nations who are at war and being afraid of each other do not venture into these parts except to surprise each other and always with the greatest precaution and all possible secrecy the reports of our guns and the carcasses of the animals we killed soon led some of them to find our trail in fact on the evening of the twenty eighth having made our fire by the edge of a prairie we were surrounded by them but as the man on guard waked us and we posted ourselves behind trees with our guns these savages who are called wapus took us for iroquois and thinking there must be a great many of us because we did not travel secretly as they do when in small bands they ran off without shooting their arrows and gave the alarm to their comrades so we were two days without meeting anybody la salle guessed the cause of their fright and in order to confirm their delusion he drew with charcoal on the trunks of trees from which he had stripped the bark the usual marks of an iroquois war party with signs for prisoners and for scalps after the custom of those dreaded warriors this ingenious artifice as will soon appear was near proving the destruction of the whole party he also set fire to the dry grass of the prairies over which he and his men had just passed thus destroying the traces of their passage we practiced this device every night and it answered very well so long as we were passing over an open country but on the thirtieth we got into great marshes flooded by the thaws and we were obliged to cross them in mud or water up to the waist so that our tracks betrayed us to a band of mascoutins who were out after iroquois they followed us through these marshes during the three days we were crossing them but we made no fire at night contenting ourselves with taking off our wet clothes and wrapping ourselves in our blankets on some dry knoll where we slept till morning at last on the night of the second of april there came a hard frost and our clothes which were drenched when we took them off froze stiff as sticks so that we could not put them on in the morning without making a fire to thaw them the fire betrayed us to the indians who were encamped across the marsh and they ran towards us with loud cries till they were stopped halfway by a stream so deep they could not get over the ice which had been formed in the night not being strong enough to bear them we went to meet them within gunshot and whether our firearms frightened them or whether they thought us more numerous than we were or whether they really meant us no harm they called out in the illinois language that they had taken us for iroquois but now saw that we were friends and brothers whereupon they went off as they came and we kept on our way till the fourth when two of my men fell ill and could not walk in this emergency la salle went in search of some watercourse by which they might reach lake erie and soon came upon a small river 
which was probably the Huron. Here, while the sick men rested, their companions made a canoe. There were no birch trees, and they were forced to use elm bark, which at that early season would not slip freely from the wood until they loosened it with hot water. Their canoe being made, they embarked in it, and for a time floated prosperously down the stream. When at length the way was barred by a matted barricade of trees fallen across the water, the sick men could now walk again, and pushing eastward through the forest, the party soon reached the banks of the Detroit. La Salle directed two of the men to make a canoe and go to Michilimackinac, the nearest harborage. With the remaining two, he crossed the Detroit on a raft, and striking a direct line across the country, reached Lake Erie not far from point pelee snow sleet and rain pelted them with little intermission and when after a walk of about thirty miles they gained the lake the mohegan and one of the frenchmen were attacked with fever and spitting of blood only one man now remained in health with his aid la salle made another canoe and embarking the invalids pushed for niagara it was easter monday when they landed at a cabin of logs above the cataract probably on the spot where the griffin was built. Here several of La Salle's men had been left the year before, and here they still remained. They told him the woeful news. Not only had he lost the griffin and her lading of ten thousand crowns in value, but a ship from France, freighted with his goods, valued at more than twenty-two thousand livres, had been totally wrecked at the mouth of the St. Lawrence and of twenty hired men on their way from europe to join him some had been detained by his enemies the intendant du canal while all but four of the remainder being told that he was dead had found means to return home his three followers were all unfit for travel he alone retained his strength and spirit taking with him three fresh men at niagara he resumed his journey and on the sixth day of may descried looming through floods of rain the familiar shores of a scenery and the bastion walls of fort frontenac during sixty-five days he had toiled almost incessantly traveling by the course he took about a thousand miles through a country beset with every form of peril and obstruction the most arduous journey says the chronicler ever made by frenchmen in america such was cavalier de la salle in him an unconquerable mind held at its service a frame of iron and tasked it to the utmost of its endurance the pioneer of western pioneers was no rude son of toil but a man of thought trained amid arts and letters he had reached his goal but for him there was neither rest nor peace man and nature seemed in arms against him his agents had plundered him his creditors had seized his property and several of his canoes richly laden had been lost in the rapids of the st lawrence he hastened to montreal where his sudden advent caused great astonishment and where despite his crippled resources and damaged credit he succeeded within a week in gaining the supplies which he required and the needful succours for the forlorn band on the illinois he had returned to fort frontenac and was on the point of embarking for their relief when a blow fell upon him more disheartening than any that had preceded on the twenty-second of july two voyageurs messier and laurent came to him with a letter from tonti who wrote that soon after la salle's departure 
nearly all the men had deserted after destroying fort crevasseur plundering the magazine and throwing into the river all the arms goods and stores which they could not carry off the messengers who brought this letter were speedily followed by two of the habitants of fort frontenac who had been trading on the lakes and who with the fidelity which the unhappy la salle rarely knew how to inspire had travelled day and night to bring him their tidings they reported that they had met the deserters and that having been reinforced by recruits gained at michilimackinac and niagara they now numbered twenty men they had destroyed the fort on the st joseph seized a quantity of furs belonging to la salle at michilimackinac and plundered the magazine at niagara here they had separated eight of them coasting on the south side of lake ontario to find harborage at albany a common refuge at that time of this class of scoundrels while the remaining twelve in three canoes made for fort frontenac along the north shore intending to kill la salle as the surest means of escaping punishment he lost no time in lamentation of the few men at his command he chose nine of the trustiest embarked with them in canoes and went to meet the marauders after passing the bay of quinte he took his station with five of his party at a point of land suited to his purpose and detached the remaining four to keep watch in the morning two canoes were discovered approaching without suspicion one of them far in advance of the other as the foremost drew near la salle's canoe darted out from under the leafy shore two of the men handling the paddles while he with the remaining two leveled their guns at the deserters and called on them to surrender astonished and dismayed they yielded at once while two more who were in the second canoe hastened to follow their example la salle now returned to the fort with his prisoners placed them in custody and again set forth he met the third canoe upon the lake at about six o'clock in the evening his men vainly plied their paddles in pursuit the mutineers reached the shore took posts among rocks and trees leveled their guns and showed fight four of la salle's men made a circuit to gain their rear and dislodge them on which they stole back to their canoe and tried to escape in the darkness they were pursued and summoned to yield but they replied by aiming their guns at their pursuers who instantly gave them a volley killed two of them and captured the remaining three like their companions they were placed in custody at the fort to await the arrival of count frontenac end of section 14 recording by lawrence trask mount vernon ohio interfaceaudio.com